VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. With me, comedian and wine novice, Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times wine columnist and vice president of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, we'll be joined by a handful of your favourite celebrities for great wine and great conversation. As always, I'll be sharing my expert wisdom on all things great related, from the history of vineyards across the globe to the science behind your favourite wines. And I'll take on my favourite role as apprentice of wine, the voice of the people, as I inquisitively ask the questions that we're all thinking. Like, does the shape of the glass really affect the taste of the wine? This is a brilliant question, Susie. There are so The thing many... is, Will, I have loads of brilliant questions and people have to wait <laughs> to listen to the podcast to hear them. We're here in Borough High Street's oldest and most marvellous 17th century pub, the George Inn. So here's to good wine and good times. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today is former psychologist, author and romance coach Mel Schilling. You'll most likely know Mel from matching singletons on my favourite reality TV show and social experiment, Married at First Sight. Mel was drafted in to take on the role as romance coach on the UK version after five successful years hosting the show Down Under. Whether you're a fan of the Aussie version or you're sticking to your British roots, Mel is fantastic on both. Today, Will and I will be the ones playing Cupid as we match Mel with a few of our favourite wines. Hello, Mel. Hello, Susie, Will. I cannot wait to be matched up with these gorgeous, sexy wines. Oh. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm giving you some chips because you came with an empty stomach. And we yes. want to make sure that you're okay. And I have been told I'm a lightweight, particularly by Aussie standards. I do let the Aussies down. So at least if I can have some food in my belly, I can give it a red hot go. Oh, do you know what? The last time I was gigging in Australia... People would say, oh, you've got to just give it a red hot go. And I haven't yeah. heard that in absolutely <laughs> ages. You've just given me a little moment of backing off. Just got to give the gig a red hot go. See how it goes. I love uh, your accent. That's really that's good. Bad, that's right? good. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. The, the drunker I get, the more I'll do the Aussie accent for you. <laughs> oh, my God. The what do you think of the I fifth get? one, Mel? Oh, so uh, you should hear how Aussie I get when I'm drunk. Really? Just, oh, full twang. Full twang. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, do, you, do you pick it up when you're out there? No, I just, I, I'm just a show off. You imitate. Yeah. This is the, the thing you've got to remember, Will. I'm a show off for money. That is my life. That is my job. So if I can do an accent, I can't help myself. No, but there are a lot of English people that when they go to Australia, they pick up the accent, don't they? Oh, and, and as the... do we here. Don't By do the you? End of today, I'll probably be talking like this. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I like that. So there was a little bit Dick Van Dyke, yes. which I didn't hate. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I am fascinated by Married at First Sight. How do you begin with a show like that? Like, what's the most important thing that you think when you're looking for like a, a suitable match? Mm. 
Do you know it's not what you'd expect? So many people come into this experiment saying, I want the spark. It's mm. got to be an instant connection and fresh on between me and my person. But so often it's not. And we look a little bit deeper. So we're looking at things like personal values. Yes, yes. right. Lifestyle preferences mm-hmm. and life goals. So it's the deeper things that tend to really predict compatibility. Mm-hmm. So it's the things that you can't see but it's the things that get you out of bed in the morning, the things that are absolutely burningly important to you in order to live your life. Yeah, like big things as well. Like I've got, I I know people that like didn't chat about whether they wanted kids until like four years into their relationship. And you're like, when I met my partner Alice, because I knew that I was like, Mm. I was like, right, I'm early 30s. I want to have a baby. Uh I want to become a mum at some point in, in the next sort of five, 10 years. On our first date, I was like, I want a baby. Like not today, wow. <laughs> not even next year, not even the year after next year. But mm. I just want to be, I'm, I, I, I just definitely see yeah. a child or children in my future. And it was really I love that. important to like just be really honest. Yep. I fun. love that you did that. I mean, that would scare some people off. <laughs> no, Alice was like, me too. But you know what? <laughs> exactly. Which means she was the right person. Yeah. It would scare off the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And that's actually good. Mm-hmm. You know, part of dating, I think, is screening out the wrong people. Oh, yeah. And so being upfront with, this is me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a mum in the next five years. Brilliant. Lead mm. with that. Because all the shiny objects that are wrong for you will drop off. This is great. I feel like I'm getting sort of a, like kind of some, somewhere between like a, a life coaching session, a bit of a therapy session. We'll get the wine out. Let's yeah. make this. Let's have a drink. Yeah. Right. Well, let's have our first wine. So sadly, we don't have any Australian wine today, but we do have an English sparkling wine. I have wow. never tasted an English sparkling. Now, I'm going to say it. I prefer English sparkling since becoming friends with Will and doing this podcast. Right. I prefer this to fat champagne. Okay. I wow, just that's think, a big call. Yeah, I, there's wow. just something about it that I think is really clear and really crisp and often really fruity. So the last 10 years, the quality has improved immeasurably. Right. It almost mirrors not Australia but New Zealand, okay. where they planted Sauvignon Blanc was it, in the late seventies, and by the mid nineties, the, the, the industry was just Boom. booming. Yeah. We are living through the great English wine boom. We now have mm. about nine hundred vineyards in wow. England. This is actually the Roebuck Estate mm. uh, from Sussex, and it's one of my favourites. So mm. we haven't had this estate before. As you can see, it's got a lovely mousse, which is Rose the sort gold. of white frothy Almost, bubbles there. Rose gold is yeah. a great rose gold. Yes, rose. Yes, very that's good. A great that's, suggestion. That's, a, that's a wonderful. That's exactly what it is, isn't yeah. it? It's rose gold. Lovely small bubbles you can see going up. It's a 2016 Roebuck Estates. Um, so we're sort of I don't know if you know Sussex. We're southeast of Petworth. Oh, um, do you know that's, that's where my dad goes for work sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I'm not interested to anyone really other than yummy. my dad who might be listening. Oh, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's I know. Really good, right, if you want it? to know how young our industry Beautiful. is here, I mean, these vines were planted in 2007. Right, and look wow. how good it is. So we do have sparkling wine. We do exceptionally well. We have a handful of estates, mm. maybe a dozen, that can really compete with champagne. Yeah. But why is that? The main thing, I think, is it was just the decision to plant the same grape varieties as they have in champagne and just give it a go, which we hadn't done before. And it was actually Stuart and Sandy Moss at Night Timber that came up with that in the 80s. Secondly, now it's about investment. So we've had a lot of investment. People have the, the time right. and, the, and, and the sort of attention to detail you need to make great wine. And we've done research into good sites as well. We now have our own viticultural university called Plumpton, Plumpton College. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a whole sort of generation of graduates 
coming out. Now, you will read in, in the papers, it's all about our soil mirrors that of champagne mm. and climate change. All those are, you know, are big factors. But actually, the real factors, I think, are investment, focus on quality and attention to detail, and finding the right sites. It's an agricultural product. It's really good. What's interesting about the history of English sparkling wine, although we are so young and we are the sort of new, new world mm. as opposed to the new world. Um, I was down at the Dartmouth Food Festival recently and I met an author called James Crowden, who's written a book called Cider Country, How an Ancient Craft Became a Way of Life. And we were chatting over a glass of wine about how actually the English were, make it, were, were doing the secondary fermentation, which is how you get the bubbles, with cider before the Champagne Noir, before Dom Perignon and Champagne, wow. which is extraordinary. So we actually mm. have a claim to not the invention of sparkling wine, but certainly we have been making it with mm. cider. And other Having beverages. a go. Yeah. It's not just an exclusive French thing, I think. But isn't this wonderful? Let's have a... There's something, I know because of the bubbles, and because of how, yeah. how it makes you feel as well. Having something yes. sparkling yeah. feels exciting. Oh, it does. It? And we mm. associate sparkling mm. wine mm. with celebration. 100%. It's uplifting, it's fun, it's a bit flirtatious. There's a chap called Hugh Johnson, who was my predecessor at the Sunday Times in the 60s, I think, wrote, nothing lifts the mood like a glass of sparkling wine. That's so true. <laughs> I love that quote. I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So it's a blend of Pinot Noir, but also there's a little bit of something called Pinot Procroche, which gives it just an attractive pale hue. That was exactly the... The, the right description. Yeah, that? rose gold is great. Rose gold. Mm. So when you go back next, go back down to Melbourne, you can say with confidence that actually in England they do have some interesting sparkling wine. Absolutely. And the winemakers there will say, mm, yeah. I wonder if I could buy this in Australia. Probably not. We're, mm. The English wine industry is it exporting um, to mm. North America and to the Scandinavian countries. I'm not sure because the quantities are so small. Mm. This is the thing about the English sparkling mm. wine industry. If you think of champagne, it makes, in a good year, about 300 to 350 million bottles. Wow. I mean, I think under the two main cities of champagne, there's a billion bottles wow. being stored. Um, here, in a good year, in an absolutely fantastic year where everything goes right, we just get up to 15 million. So we're tiny. Okay. Mm. We are the niche within the niche. Yeah. We're a bit like sort of Margaret River, I suppose, in yeah. Western Australia. We're, yeah. we're a small but high end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, Mel, were you always really interested in sort of people's psyche? I've always been really interested in people, for yeah. sure. I have a performance background as oh. well. So I'm, I love the stage mm -hmm. and I love, you know, performing. And so for me, when I studied psychology, all I ever wanted, my dream, was to be able to blend psychology and performance. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what has led me, you know, yeah. to the work that I'm doing now. And I'm, yeah. I'm kind of living the dream. That's great. You've just <laughs> written a book. I have. So tell yes. us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's called The C Word and it's about confidence. Yeah. Right. Particularly for women because mm. there's a very interesting confidence gap, I think, in yeah. terms of gender. And, you know, we're socialised differently. Mm -hmm. You know, as kids we're, we're rewarded and reinforced for different behaviours, boys and girls. Yeah. You know, often we'll reward the boy for being competitive and taking risks and putting himself out there. And we'll reward the girl for being gentle and nurturing yeah. and so on. It does not help no. <laughs> with a whole bunch of things, but yeah. particularly with our confidence. We don't necessarily believe that we can put ourselves forward and take that risk and actually survive. Yeah. Well, there was a there was a study, and I'm not going to name it because I know that I'm sort of I'll half get it wrong for any listeners. But there was something, and you might be able to back me up on this, Mel. That if if a man's looking at a job spec, 
Hewlett Packard conducted right, okay. this. Yes. So if, <laughs> a, if well. a man's looking at a job spec yeah. and he can do like 60%, he'll think, that's the job for me. That's right. He'll okay. jump. He'll see that 40% gap and he'll go, I'll take that leap. I can do it. Yeah. But the woman won't apply for the job until she meets 100% of the criteria. That's interesting, isn't it? I love that you mentioned that research, yeah. Susie, because that was actually the catalyst for me to write the book. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. That piece That's of research. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because that, that piece of research turned my thinking and my instinct into something really tangible. Right. And I thought, this is something here. This is something that needs exploring. Well, it's something that I've thought of a lot as a stand-up and as a female stand-up mm-hmm. because, and something I've spoken to other stand-ups about or other female writers about where... I think for a lot of the first sort of maybe five or six years of my career as a comedian, I was definitely pretending to be mm. confident. Yep. I was doing like mm-hmm. a pretending game where, you know, on stage I'd, I'd sort of do kind of like a, I was never a laddie, but sort of a boyish impression in how I like right. sort of, one critic once said that I sort of prowled around the stage and I don't think that was necessarily natural of me. I think I'm sort mm. of far more impy and jumping around and being <laughs> slightly more like, I don't know, puck. Yeah. But more of a better <laughs> description. But I think that I really tried to put on that sort of hat of like, uh-huh. this is what a comic in my mind, because, you know, traditionally people might think of a male comedian because right. of that sort of the history, although it's yes. not it's not necessarily, but often on television that mm. seems what the history looks like, a bloke in a suit. Yeah. And so I really sort of put on a, a sort of a coat of confidence. Yeah. I actually had specific jackets that I would wear for stand-up right. that would make me feel like I had sort of ownership. And were you feeling like you were you were doing a male performative confidence? Yeah, I think so. And I think mm. it was it took it was actually when I started talking about myself as a stand-up and I was being more honest. Mm-hmm. That was actually when I had far more critical success, found right. my audience. Right. And um and and, and became much better as a comic. Yeah. But I had to sort of pretend to, to be sort of a have a sort of boyish confidence yes, in order to get to the level where I could be honest. And, and I don't know. Oh, no, but, what, what you're saying really resonates. Yeah. And I talk to loads of women in corporate. A lot of my mm, work has been yeah. in leadership development and coaching yes. women, you know, who are, who are moving toward leadership. And this is really common. And they'll talk about performing confidence and mm. doing it in a blokey way. Yeah. Yes. Which is so unnatural and it's mm. clunky and it doesn't feel right and you know you don't get any of your authentic self across and you end up not engaging with people. Mm. And it doesn't lead to better relationships or success. It actually stunts your growth. Mm. So it's great that you became aware of that and you started talking authentically. That's fascinating. So how do you learn confidence? I think we need more wine for that conversation. Yeah. So we're leaving Sussex. We're not going too far. This actually came up in a previous pod about counterintuitive thinking. And we're Ooh. going to Bordeaux, which is famous for red wine. Yes. But at the moment, the, the, I think a, a really exciting sort of sector of Bordeaux is white Bordeaux. Ooh. And it's a white Bordeaux, Chateau de Croix. Um, and it's a Sauvignon Gris. So we're in that sort of light, aromatic alternatives to wine such as Sauvignon Blanc, Chenin Blanc, Alvaridio, Muscadet. You know when you want something light and zippy and a, and a sort of... That's my flavour. Yeah. So as an amateur there, I heard the words Sauvignon and Gris. And to yes. me, I hear something to do with Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Gris. Is that right? Very good question. Well, it's in the in the sort of same bracket as Pinot Gris, right. which is the sort of, you know, what, what we would call Ooh. a fridge door, a fridge door white or an aperitif. Uh-huh. Especially home in Melbourne, you'd like to sit down Say you went out for lunch on a Saturday and you'd place the order. This is the sort of wine you would have pre-lunch. Right. And you sit there and you oh, sort of it's really hear the cooking going. Now, oh, 
It's really Ooh, fruity on the nose. It's fruity. There isn't much Sauvignon Gris grown in Bordeaux. It's slightly richer when you taste it in texture to Sauvignon Blanc. It's, it's sort of toned down. And I think there's more um, sort of softer tropical fruits such as peach and melon yes I can as opposed to that sort of grassy gooseberry tang yeah, I'm trying to... of Sauvignon Blanc so it's, it's more of a fuller more generous do you know I don't know if this is going to sound mad <laughs> I think it sort of smells a bit like sweeties do you know what I mean like if you were having like <laughs> so cute. penny sweets yeah. do you know so what I mean so we that's... call them lollies in Australia yeah, so... <laughs> Lollies, yeah. yeah. As you were saying about associations Sugary. earlier, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is exactly... So, so you're associating mm. those tropical fruit notes, which is basically pear, with pear drops. Yeah. I think that's Lovely. what it is. Do you remember the pear drops you got in the white yeah. bag mm-hmm. with the sugar? I think I'm getting pineapple. Yeah. Mm. Melon. Ooh. I like it because you always say things like, oh, it's like dark fruit. Yeah. Or it's like Just, yeah. tropical fruit. Yeah, which is... Because I think wine can be so intimidating. It can. And I think we can be very suggestible. Yeah, yes, right? Absolutely. Like as soon as you say, oh, yeah. peach, I'm going, yeah, it's peach. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a cup of peach. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it has those aromatics. But actually when yeah. you taste it, it's quite it's quite full body. And actually it's it's quite dry on the finish. You yeah, have a like hair drops. Yeah. It's hair drops. There's mm. something really nostalgic about it. Now, Mel... When you came in, you were saying, Cracky, that, you know, it is quite early in the day and whether you want to drink. I always spit. And I have a spittoon here, as you can see. Well, you can't see if you're listening. Um, (laughs) Talk me through it. Now, the reason is because I I always get asked three questions. You know, how did you get this job? Are you not drunk the whole time? Yes, he is. He is. He's not. He's not. How is my relationship? (laughs) I always am. I I turn up pissed. Terrible. If we're going to, and I'm just off to two tastings after this. If we're doing sort of professional tasting, we always spit because otherwise Mm. you would be drunk. Mm, Of course. And you couldn't evaluate the wine and make notes and things. But actually, (laughs) if you lovely, (laughs) (laughs) lovely, really good. (laughs) So what you want to do? So I mean, seventy percent, seven zero percent of the taste and flavour comes from smelling it. Right, um, wow. And there's sort of two ways of smelling. Orthonasal is when you can, all those aromas dancing off it. Mm. Orthonasal is like when you cook bacon at home or you mm. go into a coffee shop and you can smell it. Retronasal is when you put it into your mouth okay. and you chew well, you chew food. But what you want to do with wine is, is take a really big slurp and sort of drag the air across. It's called retronasal olfaction to get the sense of, of smell up to your olfactory bowl, which is here. And um, they're both doing, <laughs> and then spit, and then. No. Sorry, that was quite dramatic. Yeah. How I spat that out, like blah. Mm. But you still do get all of the flavour, yeah. don't you? And perhaps more. Like, mm. Okay, yeah. that's aerating it, isn't mm. it? And it's still pear drops. And it's bit, and it, <laughs> I'm still you, getting pineapple. There you go. We're festival people. Yeah. And if you want to learn how to spit like a pro. The oh. best thing to do is do it in the bath with a pint of water. Oh, I love it. And aim for the Practice. taps. Practice. Okay. And I've been on record as saying, writing about wine is a very unusual job. And it's a bit like Hemingway did sort of deep sea fishing and big game hunting to prove his masculinity. And I think wine tasters take it very seriously, the spitting mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. So when you go to professional wine tasting, the spittoons are normally made of aluminium uh-huh. and they stand like that. And people can spit like a dart. Someone like Oz Clark can spit like a like a bullet. Wow! Does it look like you know those those really fancy fountains that yes, you get in people's like houses, that. where it's like a cherub? <laughs> <laughs> and you always see the you know the um, 
the person that hasn't really practiced spitting because they come in and sort of drooling down there. It's all down their tie. I'm somewhere in the in between because I don't like to. I haven't practiced that much, but I do. <laughs> I do do a lot of spitting. I'm going to go home and practice in the bath tonight. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great technique to learn. Think, especially when you get back to Australia. Yes. Because they'll be really very show impressed. Off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how the British do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Will, you were going to ask before, and I very rudely interrupted by trying to get you to give me more wine. But you were asking <laughs> you were asking Mel about confidence. Yeah, I was, I'm really intrigued. I mean, how do you learn confidence? And... You learn it by doing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's a skill. Fake it till you make it? Well... Close. Okay. Close. I'm a huge fan of a social psychologist named Amy Cuddy. You might have heard of the power pose. She yes. She's doing the power pose. And her take on that is take it till you become it. There's more authenticity in this. So it's not just fake it until you kind of look and sound like the thing you're faking, like you yeah, being yeah. a male comic, yeah, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, right. But it's fake it until you become it, which is exactly what you did in that example. Mm. You faked it for a while to give yourself a few wins, a few runs yeah. on the board, to give yourself that little, little bit pep. of a, That's right, which is called self-efficacy. Right. You know, that's giving yourself a bit of evidence. So you, you've done it before, so you know that you can do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got a bit of a portfolio to, to, to draw on mm-hmm. in your confidence bank, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, um, So that's really important. The other part of it is self-esteem, which is about telling yourself that you deserve it and looking in the mirror and actually liking what you see. Mm. So that's the emotional side of it as well. Yeah. But when it comes to actually doing it, it, it's really about I don't believe in you know, jumping out of a, a plane and building your parachute on the way down, even though I've done that a lot myself yeah. and made all the mistakes, I think, you know, baby steps is the way to go. So rather than stepping outside your comfort zone, expanding that comfort zone and bringing new things in. Yeah. Different way of looking at it. But you can lose your confidence midway mm. through your career. Yes, you can. I, I listened mm. to a very interesting radio play about Grasho Marx, right. who lost mm. a lot of confidence mm. and then went back and performed a gig and then, and then you know, took off again. But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a huge issue and I've got a whole chapter in my book about this because yeah. this happens. It's not this linear thing that we develop throughout life and just get better and better and better. Yeah. At. Something happens. We lose a partner. We go through trauma. We have, you know, a major life change. Or becoming a mum. Becoming a mum, going to a new life stage. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, you know, COVID, the, the pandemic yeah. Has, yeah. has created a crisis of confidence. Yeah. I see really? people, particularly when it comes to their social skills and capacity to just have small talk and connect yes. with people. Or dating, right? Absolutely. It's been like I've got friends that, have, that were sort of maybe newly single at the beginning of the pandemic and then have had a big gap of not yep. dating. Yeah. If you're shy naturally or you're a little yeah. reserved, that's really yep. hard to then sort of Buck it up to get out on the dating scene again. It's a muscle. And if you're not using it, you lose it. Will, I love the second wine. I was about to call you wine. That's terrible. I really do. I I really really like it. I'm going to have another spit. It's really good. It's just an uncomfortable. Well, it is complex, but it's a a wine you would, as I said, I I think I described it, the the perfect setting sort of. But it'd just go with anything, wouldn't it? Midsummer in Melbourne. On oh, a terrace yeah. somewhere. Yeah, so yes, nice. it goes with it. Yeah, and it's it's a fridge door white. I think that's how we, it's, it's been oh, described. I feel like that's I feel like that's doing it down a little. It, bit. Is, I do it is too. A bit, I feel actually. like you're talking about the cooler bar. Oh, do you might not know what that is? Please, yeah. I feel like in, I'm learning so much. In Australia, in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, there was a a big. I think it was a four litre cask of really crass Moselle, and the brand was Cooler Bar. Oh. And Mum and Dad always had a cask of Cooler Bar in the fridge. <laughs> Chateau Cardboard, we used to call that. (laughs)
This is Wine Times with Susie Ruffle and Will Lyons. And we'll be back with more great wine and conversation before you even get the chance to top up your glass. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, What's our final wine? So we're leaving. So we are going to the Southern Hemisphere. We're going all the way. We're crossing the Andes and we're going, well, we're not crashing. We're, we're, we're going to Argentina. Oh, beautiful. And I was thinking about that because there's this sort of terrifying 45-minute flight between Chile and Mendoza. And you take off from Santiago. And I've done it a few times. Luckily, it's always been smooth to me. But the first time I did it, there was a gentleman next to me who was literally, he was praying. And then he, he, and then he, <laughs> he held the seat the whole way. Oh, no. Because you do, you sort of take off, twists and turns. And you've got a sort of 400-mile stretch of mountains to get mm. over. And it's 6,000 miles. And I have heard a winemaker say to me that he, I mean, I'm not sure this is true, but the turbulence was so strong once on that trip that the wings touched. Can that, can, can that be right? No, that, that can't, can't be there, yeah, right. Like that. But that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but I think flexible. it was just incredibly tough. It felt like they did. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like it made the white wine champagne because it shook it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was an aggressive uh, bubble, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. <laughs> And we're having now one of the most, well, the most popular grape varieties in terms of the amount that's sold in the UK, Malbec. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just overtaken Shiraz right. as the most popular Ooh, choice. Yeah, and I, and I get that. I much prefer a Malbec to a Shiraz. Mm. And I don't... I, I don't know why that's just something I say. Well, I think the success of Malbec, again, so if, if I can distill it down to three things. But interestingly, it's like Sauvignon Blanc. Its home is in France. So mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc's home was in the Loire Valley. Malbec's home is in a place called Cahors in southwest France. Mm-hmm. But like Sauvignon Blanc, it's got better as it's been exported. It's one of only two great varieties that's done that. So Sauvignon is much better in New Zealand than it is in France. I mean, it's had much more right. international success. Malbec went to Argentina, was planted around um, uh, on the sort of high altitude, high altitude plains of Mendoza, and it's become this tremendous commercial success and what and so is that the climate that's done that is it because it's yeah, so I think hot it's, there it's, and it's... it's 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 the consistency of it so 
Um, oh, the consistency of the weather. Uh, yeah, uh, and 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 of the products as well, right. and of the liquid in the bottle. So you know, you, if, if you open up a Malbec, you know it's going to be opaque in colour, mm-hmm. quite supple, mm. quite rich. Yes, the vineyards are in fantastic sites, which is why the winemaker here left France uh, on his way to Chile. But he got distracted by the vineyards. He could see the potential in the vineyards of Argentina. Mm. So he's, he, he stayed there. And now he, he, he now makes this delicious Malbec, which is blended with a bit of Cabernet Franc. But I'm going to pour it out. Yeah, you've been talking about it for Sorry, long enough. Down. Let's have some, please. Please, for goodness sake. I'll tell you a little anecdote. My, my name is Melanie, so Mel sure. for short, and my sister is Rebecca, so Beck ah. for short. So when she was born, my dad bought a bottle of Melbeck. And he said, this is the bottle that represents the two of you. So I feel quite connected to Melbeck. Well, tell me if you like this. (laughs) Let's try it. Are you connected to this bottle? Oh, it smells good. The other thing I think Mm. about, and this isn't a glib point to make, it's easy to pronounce and remember. Everyone can can pronounce Malbec. Yeah. It's short. Um, Is it a French term? Yes, it's a French. Well, actually in France, the, the original name was Cot. C O double T, but look at that. Just as I said, I mean that is opaque. It yes. sure is purple color. Yeah, yeah it right. is deep color. Dark fruits. Yeah, really dark fruits. Oh, that's really nice. It feels a lot fruitier yeah. than a lot of other reds yeah. that we have. You can really, yeah, yeah, you can really feel rather the, than smoky. Talking about the, the the sort of third generation of English wine and how we've gone from making, you know, we now make spot, but we also have some good still wines. Argentina is also going through this transformation. And that the Malbecs are kenning, you know, that, that there is a style w- w- which this sits in, which is, it's more, it's more pure, isn't it? It's more mm. elegant, more fruit driven. Yes. Um, but this really demands, I don't know if you eat meat, it, it demands a steak, as I said. Right. I mean, if, mm. if. It demands our, food, certainly. If our white wine was, you know, sitting on the terrace, this is huddled in a steakhouse right. with a big, you know, something from the grill in front because of us. Because the Argentinians love this. They're yeah. meat, yes. don't they? It's a very oh, meaty yeah. menu. Mm. On the barbecue, actually. Yes. yes. This is a good, this would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, with any barbecued meat. And I always say it, and I know it's because we're going into this time of year, but it, it's something that once you get in from the cold, yeah, mm. be a nice thing, you know, because it's not going to be in the fridge, is it? Mm. You know, it's not going to yeah. be at room temperature. And it has quite a short finish. So the the flavour stops. Doesn't stick around. No, mm. but it's quite, it's, it, there is a lot of, it, it feels that it has this uplifting acidity, doesn't it? So mm. it's, it refreshes you. So I think with meat, it works really well. And it doesn't feel at all heavy on no, the tongue. Exactly, no, exactly. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Textually quite light. So there's power there. I don't usually drink red, but I'm, I'm enjoying that. And just hearing more about it, it's making me more interested mm. in it. And I think more likely to try it. Yeah. yeah. So what you, you mentioned before that you were going home for Christmas. Obviously, that's what we're going towards now. Would you? Yeah. What's your Christmas dinner like? Because you, because my Australian cousins would be mm-hmm. having a barbie, which right. we find odd, oh, shocking, odd. <laughs> well, we would usually do a Christmas Eve is more the seafood, mm. the sparklings. Yeah. Definitely, the sparklings yeah, will come out on Christmas Eve, and then we go pretty traditional. Do you actually Christmas Day? Even though it's so counterintuitive because it's hot so hot sometimes it can be 40 degrees and we're having a roast turkey yeah with the stuffing like it's the last thing you feel like so it it doesn't seem to be it doesn't make a lot of sense in Mm -hmm. australia but we do it because we like the tradition yeah yeah Yeah. i always think of you of of, of, of australia on christmas day because i mean i imagine quite a lot of people have a turkey don't they you do down there and ham you know usually do all the trimmings 
So what I feel about Christmas is actually I wouldn't serve a wine like this. I would serve something a little bit lighter. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I quite like to serve Beaujolais Cru, so something Ooh, that's sort yum. of translucent in colour, yeah. which has a city. Because but by the time you get to Christmas, I mean, I'm talking about a sort of European Christmas, it's been a whirlwind. Advent has just yes. been party after party, oh, lunches, sure. dinners. Yeah. You, you, you are you're suffering. You're, you're suffering from palate fatigue. <laughs> yeah. And actually you want something that's just going to refresh mm-hmm. and go well with the turkey, which is sort of red fruit Light, and, and yeah. that sort of taut, yeah. cranberry-like acidity. Now, the other flip side to that is, and I do have sympathy with, with, with um, this approach as well, is you just serve your best bottles because it's a very right. special, special day. special occasion. So you get out yeah. the best red Bordeaux, or yeah. the, the, the finest mm. you can afford. And, and take real pleasure in it. I like that. Yeah. You know, I don't like the concept of the good room. You know, yeah. you put the good china and the good yeah. wine in the good room and never use it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Bring it out. Yes. Drink out of your finest china. Yeah. Yeah. Have Agreed. your finest wine. Couldn't Life agree. is not a rehearsal. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. I couldn't agree. Fact, I did that with my father the other day. We opened up this, I had this really sort of, I was going through his drinks cabinet <laughs> um, and he wanted me to pick out the whiskeys and I found this amazing cognac. Oh, and I said, should we have a shot tonight? And he said, no, we'd better save it. And my, it, it. It was my mother that said, oh, come on, you're always saying that. So we're we opened it mom. up and we poured it. It was lovely. It's the same with clothes and things, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You, yes. you end up yep. saying, oh, I'll, I'll save that for something. Save then, it for good. What's then, good? Yeah, Who's good? When does yeah. good happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, when I was a teenager, my mum bought me tickets to see Destiny's Child, oh, which fantastic. was humongous mm. to me. We were going to Wembley. Yeah. Mm. You know, I was in Portsmouth. It felt, you know, Beyonce felt unbelievably glamorous. Mm. And it was six months later wow. that I had the tickets. And then the day after my birthday, mum gave me the tickets and she said, oh, let's go and get you a little outfit. Oh. So we went to Tammy Girl. Mm. And anyone that's a similar age to me or a mum might remember that. <laughs> and I bought a cat suit. Oh. And by the time I got, and I saved it for best. Oh. And then by the time I got to going to see... Destiny's Child. I tried on the catsuit. I mean, it divorced my ankles and married my knees. Oh. And so, and so, my mum, my mum, who's a dab hand with the sewing machine, said, "Don't worry, I'll put some leather leather fringing around the bottom." Oh. I went to Wembley looking like a Shire horse. <laughs> and since that day, I thought I will never save anything for best. If you get it, wear it because yes. you like you know you might, you might grow out of it. Of it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And it's the same with wine. Mm-hmm. Invite yeah. someone around, have a nice glass. Yeah. Make the most of the evening and. Yeah. Yeah, and, and treat them and yeah. Yeah, that, it's nice, yeah. isn't it? I think it was Ainsley that said on, on the pod that, you know, you're 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 not gonna regret it really, are you? No. I don't think you you're, you're gonna regret opening a nice bottle and No. Not unless it's what it's one of those situations where you've had a lot to drink and then then you're you wasting. don't want to open yeah. it. Yeah, because you get to a stage. It. You don't appreciate yeah, it. That's terrible. I mean, maybe not with your palate, <laughs> but with my palate, I get to the stage where I was like, ah, it's red or white. Like, <laughs> you know, it's all the same. <laughs> hmm. But but the first bottle being really nice. And also I think people like feeling a bit special. Yeah, they do. Yes. You know, they if do. you say, oh, I put a really nice bottle of something in the fridge that yes. I thought you might like. I mean, that's a nice it's way to an, start an It's evening. an investment in the relationship, isn't yes. it? Yes. There you go. It is saying, I value you, mm-hmm. you're important to me, and this is how I'm going to express yeah, it. Absolutely. That's nice. Mm. I like that. Well, I yeah, I've really enjoyed this. What, what's <laughs> your favourite? Oh, definitely the sparkling. For yep, me. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, loved it. I like that with the blinis. That was very well. Yeah, but they've I mean, all been yeah. good in their way, actually, haven't they? Yes, mm. they have. They've all been really yeah. lovely. Mm. Well done, Will. Yeah, Once again, done, Will. Chosen some great wine. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks Cheers. for coming. Cheers, guys. <laughs> That's it from us. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. Produced by Anya Pierce and the series producer is Ben Mitchell. 
You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your favourite podcast app. We'll be back next week with more delicious wine and another great guest. Remember that all of the wines we tasted today are noted in the episode description and you can get your hands on all of them from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. From all of us here at The Georgian, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.